Bride of the Reformation, written by Noel Piper. In 1504, Wibrandus Rosenblatt was born in Sackingen, Germany. Over the next 60 years, she would marry and be widowed four times, inspiring one writer to describe her as the Reformation Frau, the Bride of the Reformation. Her 1524 marriage to Ludwig Keller was short-lived. In July 1526, Wibrandus, 22, was a widow with a daughter, also named Wibrandus. Among the Reformation leaders, clerical marriage was becoming a new way of serving the community of Jesus Christ, as author Ernst Stehelin put it. Johannes Oculampadius had argued publicly for the freedom of pastors to marry, though he himself was still single. Oculampadius's friend Wolfgang Capito wrote to him, If a suitable person is pointed out to you, I think you should not decline. To have a mate of like zeal will be a glory to the Lord. Someone must have pointed out Wibrandus. On March 15, 1528, she and Oculampadius were married. Raising some eyebrows at their age difference, 45 and 24, but causing most friends to rejoice. He wrote in a letter The Lord has given me a sister and wife, a widow with several years' experience in bearing the cross. I wish she were older, but I see in her no signs of youthful petulance. Pray the Lord to give us a long and happy marriage. At this point, Pastors had not been marrying for several hundred years. Wibrandus and other wives of 16th century reformers became friends through letters, determining and shaping their new role as they lived it. Soon, three children were added to their family Eusebius, Alethea, and Irene, before the death of Oculampadius in November 1531 due to blood poisoning from an abscess. That same month, Capito's wife Agnes also died. Martin Butzer's matchmaking propensities sprang into action. My choice for Capito is the widow of Oculampadius. He writes me that he has been very touched by the sight of the widow Wibrandus and the orphan children. Wibrandus and Capito were married on August 11, 1532. Capito was pastor of New St. Peter's Church in Strasbourg. Their household included Wibrandus's mother and the four children of her previous marriages. Five more were born. Agnes, Dorothea, Irene, after the death of Irene Oculampadius, John Simon, and Wolfgang. According to Roland Bainton, since she did curb his foibles, balance his budget, and keep his household sweet, her achievement belongs to the annals of unrecorded heroisms. But plague in 1540 took the children Eusebius, Dorothea, Wolfgang, and also Capito himself. News of Capito's death reached the Butzers when Elizabeth Butzer was close to death. Elizabeth pled with her husband and Wibrandus that they marry after she died. And they did, in April 1542. Butzer wrote, There is nothing that I could desire in my new wife save that she is too attentive and solicitous. She is not as free in criticism as was my first wife. I only hope I can be as kind to my new wife as she is to me. But oh, the pang for the one I have lost. One can imagine Wibrandus's similar grief for three husbands. 
for the fourth time she adapted to a new husband, learning how they would love and support each other according to their particular needs, ministries, and preferences. By 1548, new laws required Protestant churches to fulfill conditions that Butzer could not endorse. He fled into exile in England and taught at Cambridge while assisting in biblical translation and developing liturgy. After only a year, suffering a cold, damp winter and a long list of physical ailments, he urged Wibrandis to come. She came and eventually brought the family. During Butzer's last months, Wibrandis nursed him almost constantly, doing also whatever was required for caring for the rest of her family, consisting of the children and her mother. After her husband's death in February 1551, Wibrandis wrote numerous articulate letters to sort out their finances and move the family back to Strasbourg. Some were in German, some in Latin, revealing her facility with language and languages. Lest we are tempted to see a passive woman swept up by circumstances and the decisions of imposing men, here is Wibrandis's forceful voice to her son Simon John Capito away at university. I haven't heard from you for some time, but I well know that if I had, the news would not have been comforting. If only I might live to the day when I have good news from you. Then I would die of joy. If you would follow in the footsteps of your father, then grandma, the sisters, and the in-laws would lay down their very lives for you. If you will behave yourself properly, come home. If you won't, then do as you will. I wish you a good year. Your faithful mother. In 1564, Basel lost 7,000 to plague, including Wibrandus Rosenblatt. She was buried beside Oculampadius. Today, in Bad Sockingen, her birthplace, is Wibrandus Rosenblatt Vague, a short street leading to the bank of the Rhine. Beside the street towers the steeple of the Evangelische Kirchengemeinde, a Protestant church. You've been listening to Here We Stand, a series of 31 short biographies on heroes of the Protestant Reformation. This podcast has been produced by Desiring God in partnership with Bethlehem College and Seminary. For more, visit desiringgod.org slash stand.